Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell here with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan as we are talking about NASCAR racing. Of course, it was throwback weekend this weekend at Donington Raceway. Martin Truex Jr. found his way into victory lane in the cup race. Uh, Justin Allgaier found his way into victory lane in the Xfinity race. And Sheldon Creed, of course, in the Truck Series race. We're going to review all those events, talk about the racing at Darlington, which has been a pretty hot topic. We'll also discuss the Gen 7 car that was released uh, this past week and give our thoughts on that and what we expect to see, what we, what we like, what we don't like. Also, we'll talk about our favorite Dover memory. Um, for me, Philip, you know, we've gone to races there, so there's a lot of Dover memories there for us. And then uh, we're going to talk about our fantasy output, which um, I don't mean to, to give anything away right now, but the gap is closing. That's all I'm going to say. 917-889-8280. That is the number to call here tonight on Talking Circles as we discuss Darlington. And it was a race that was pretty much dominated by Martin Truex Jr. in the 248 of the race's 293 laps. Uh, nobody else really led a good majority of the event, um, but – he won both stages. He It was a, a Martin Truex Jr. dominating performance, but uh, a race that saw some interesting things happen. Um, you know, we saw Kurt Busch basically get lit right on fire. He was able to get back out there, but uh, that, that was sort of interesting. We've seen some tires uh, that were wearing, which was good. A, a lot of t- a tire management, which was fun to watch. Um, and it ended up with Martin Truex Jr. and Victor Lane. Kyle Larson finished second, a good run for him. Really came on there and could not close the gap on Truex. Then it was Kyle Busch, William Byron, and Denny Hamlin, the top five. Philip, uh, what were your thoughts on Martin Truex Jr.? I mean, he pretty much dominated that entire event. It was a typical MTJ from Mayetta, New Jersey destruction. Uh, He's done this before. And, uh, you know, they were talking about nobody's ever won a race after leading about winning the stages and all these different things, but that car was on a different, was in a different time zone, different level. And uh, him and James Small have hit on something this year. Uh, Denny Hamlin has the points lead, and it's who knows what will happen between now and September or the end of August. But the fact of the matter is Martin Truex is, a favorite for this championship. He's won at three playoff racetracks so far this year, and all of those races were not, they weren't really that close. So he's on a heater. He's been flirting with that second championship. Uh, There's a lot of talk about Martin Truex Jr. this past weekend about how the guy a few years ago only had a couple of wins in his career and, where did this come from and like comparing it to guys like Dale Jarrett and the like. And yeah, I mean, he barely ran a throwback as usual, but he did throw back to most of his, um, to many of his wins where he just, just does a old uh, woodshed whipping and uh, it, it wasn't even close. I mean, Larson had the pass of the day three wide and, he had a car. There was a few people. Kyle Busch quartered a tire. Had to come back from that. Uh, but, you know, and William Byron, who is, 
he's found he's found his crew chief. There's a crew chief that can make a guy that has no clue how to set up a race car, set up a race car, and it's Rudy Fugel, and he's a top ten, top five machine, and he's third or fourth in points, whatever. So, I mean, he's an underground sneaky guy to look at as we go along through this season. But Martin Truex Jr. is a favorite. Uh, This win, considering that's the playoff opener, he's won at the playoff closing, like the Final Four closing event, and he's won at the track where they're going to go and decide this championship. He's, He's in a position to finally get that elusive second championship, which before 20 you know, 2013, 2014, you'd have never thought he'd ever got a championship, let alone more than two wins that he had. So credit to him, credit to James Small and that whole entire organization. And, uh, you know, uh, Caitlin Vincey's husband, the whole bit uh, for just doing what they seem to do at least a couple times a year when they're on a heater. So, um mm-hmm. That's about all I can say on that. Yeah, it was a great run. And, and, you know, you brought up some good points there. And I definitely want to touch on the Byron situation, too, a little bit, because that's an incredible run he's been on. But the guy I really want to focus on, I don't think we've given him enough credit. And it's sort of his coming out year, his breakout year. And that's James Small. I mean, remember last year when when I remember actually going back to December of 2019, when it was announced that Cole Pern was no longer going to be the crew chief of the 19 car. He had some other things he wanted to do in life. And so um, we all kind of sat there and went, whoa, you know, that's a big loss for Martin Truex Jr. He's never really won a lot of a, a bunch of races without Cole Pern, and Cole Pern's a, a stud, and he was a stud crew chief. So it was, a little, it was alarming. And then last year he went out there and he won a race last year, but they were okay, but they weren't nearly as good as they were the years prior with the 19 and then the furniture row before that. Well, I think this year it's, they found it again. And James small, who uh, was an engineer on those teams back way back when, when they were winning a ton of races, winning championships is now the crew chief. And he's done a a heck of a job. I mean, there's no other way to, to, to say it. I mean, 2X is looking like, like you said, he's the championship favorite right now. I think in a lot of people's eyes, he won both states. He's just dominating these races, and he's dominating playoff races, and uh, he deserves a lot of credit. And so I don't think we've given him enough credit, um, us as a show, but us as an industry, just how good James Small has been this year with Martin Truex Jr. And that's not to take anything away from Martin Truex Jr. Truex has been tremendous. I mean, uh, we, we know what he's capable of when he's got the right car underneath him, but it was just finding somebody who could provide that. And it seemed like maybe last year that wasn't necessarily the case. I'm not sure Small was really put into a great situation considering that he had three races with practice and then COVID came and uh, completely kind of derailed the season and changed the season drastically. And this year they were a little bit more prepared to not have practice. They were probably a little bit more prepared to come to the racetrack uh, with a car that was capable of winning races. And James Small deserves a ton of credit for that because he's really done that very, very well this year. And and, uh, Kyle Larson finishing second. Um, he was in K car, you know, he finished fourth in stage one, um, fifth in stage two, did a nice job, no question, but he was really good at that second half, that really the second mass part of that race 
on that last long green flag run. He looked like he was chasing Trex down for a little bit. Martin was probably trying to save his tires. But uh, Trex, or Larson, excuse me, still finishing second. It's impressive. You mentioned Kyle Busch. Another guy I haven't given enough credit to this year is Ben Bashore over there on that 18 car. I talked about Adam Stevens. I thought that would really affect Kyle Busch this season. So far, it has it has not. You know, Kyle's picked up to right where he is, and, and we'll see what this season holds for him. I mean, it was a, it seemed like early in the year they were really start starting and sputtering a little bit, but now they've got their legs under them, and they really seem to be rattling off some decent finishes and, and having some good speed here. And it's only a matter of time, I think, before they win multiple races here um, in 2021. But William Byron is a story. There's no question, Phil. Uh, the the uh, dramatic improvement from one year to another with him, uh, you know, and I know he had Chad Knauss last year, and he's had different crew chiefs the year before. I think he had uh, he had Knauss the last two years, and then he had um, before that he had Darian Grubb uh, in that in that car um, working on that car. But this year he's got Rudy Fugel, and they have not finished outside of top ten since the road co- the road course at Daytona. They won Homestead. Eighth at Vegas, eighth at Phoenix, eighth at Atlanta, sixth at Bristol in the dirt race, fourth at Martinsville, seventh at Richmond, second at Talladega, ninth at Kansas, and then fourth at Darlington. They've been really, really consistent. And I know, again, it was early in the year, but they've gone from 13th in points to third. And uh, listen, I'm not sure Byron's ready to pull off a ton of wins right now uh, and compete for a championship, but he is turning into the driver, I think, Rich, Rick Hendrick and everybody over there in that. Hendrick Motorsports team originally thought when they got William Byron into a cup car, um, and he won a ton of races in trucks with Rudy Fugel. I mean, I think I mentioned this early in the year, but when I talked about it, I thought, well, this is going to be a big year for William Byron because he got his guy. Rick went out and got his guy. Well, he's proving everybody saying, hey, you know what? When I got my guy, I can go out and be consistent and run really, really well. So uh, that 24 car has been absolutely tremendous this year. And, and Denny Hamlin, another solid run. Second in stage one, fourth in stage two, ended up fifth. Uh, as you go a little deeper into uh, the top ten, a couple of very interesting drivers. Kevin Harvick in sixth. Not a terrible day. Um, still not what we're used to seeing from that four car, but not a terrible day. Chase Elliott in seventh. Ryan Blaney eighth. Uh, Chris Buescher ninth. And Ryan Newman tenth. That's Roush cars. Two Roush cars in a top ten at a non-super speedway race. The first time that's happened since 2017. Uh, in the middle of 2017 for those guys. So uh, a good run for Ross Fenway. Who really stands out to you, Philip, as far as 6th to 10th there? Uh, you know, Harvick, Elliott, Blaney, Busher, and Newman. Who really stood out to you that had solid days there, uh, position 6 through 10 there on Sunday? I mean, you mentioned it right there at the end. You're talking about the Roush guys. And, I mean, probably want to mention who finished 11th. I, I have personal bias with who finished 11. He probably should have gotten the top 10. But um, in regards to Busher and Newman, they're on the they're on the edge of the playoff battle, and they're running better. Uh, there there seems to be progress at Roush, uh, Fenway, and Chris Busher, who's always been that kind of guy that can go and take something and a couple of years ago you talked about him every week when he finished top 15 and he is just that quiet easy going he, he he fits the Roush mold and the fact that he'll take what they give him and get the most out of it 
Newman, Nonek, you know, he he's on the end of his career, and the fact that he's able to pull out top tens. I mean, this is a racetrack that suits Ryan Newman because it's his kind of driving style. So uh, to get a double top ten for Roush, I mean, it used to be a thing. We were talking about it offline, about other races and about how many years ago where Roush, it would be – it would be unbelievable if they didn't get at least one or two cars in the top ten when they used to have five cars. And uh, for them to go and get a double top ten, keep their uh, playoff situation going for uh, this year is a good thing. And they have a lot of opportunity races coming up, whether it's road courses that are new, whether there's – Daytona at the end of the regular season, Indian. Yeah. I mean, uh, there, there's opportunities for both drivers to possibly go and sneak a win or go and sneak some sort of result that would give them a shot to go and make this playoff. And who knows what will happen once you get into the playoff. Um, You know, the other guys are supposed to be there. Harvick and the SHR team, uh, we'll talk about them probably later. Um, only two of the cars finished, and uh, Harvick had a car, I think, in the first stage, and then after that kind of fell back. Chase Elliott's the lone wolf at Hendrick that hasn't won a race. Um, and then Blaney, you know, he has his win. He usually gets that one win a year. Um, you know, they had some issues earlier in the day and uh, were able to salvage an eighth-place finish. But uh, there were cars that were better than all of them, really, honestly, uh, had issues or ended up finishing behind them that were probably better than them during the day in general. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, And, you know, it is good to see a team like Roush performing a little bit better this year. Uh, there's no question they've, in the years past, they've really struggled. Um, there's no question about that. And, uh, you know, I, I like what I see from that organization this year, and they made a little bit of a change over the off season, where they've brought in Jimmy Fennig uh, to sort of run the operation over there, and it seems like it might be helping them a little bit. You mentioned Busher. We'll get to the points in a little while as far as uh, playoffs are concerned, but he's really starting to, uh, get himself into a little bit more of a, I wouldn't say comfortable position, but a position where making it on points is looking better and better. Now, there are some races, as you mentioned, that are new. Uh, Coda is coming up in a couple of weeks. you got uh, Road America coming up as well. So, um, you know, road courses aren't exactly, I don't think, Rosh's strengths, but we'll see how they respond. But positions 11 through 20, I'll read, I'll read them real quick, and there are some very interesting drivers Two in 11th and 12th, I really want to get to, and then 15th, of course. But 11th was Chris Briscoe, one of his best runs of the year. 12th, Tyler Reddick, 13th, Joey Logano, 14th, Christopher Bell, and Ross Chastain, 15th. 16th was also Dylan. Alex Bowman finished 17th. Eric Jones, 18th, 19th, Matt Benedetto, And then 20th position went to Ricky Stenhouse, Jr. Um, we'll get to other drivers as well deeper into the field, but uh, focusing on just 11th through 20th, Right now, a couple of guys I want to get to. One is Chase Briscoe, uh, a solid, solid run for him in a uh, A.J. Foyt throwback, high-point 
uh, Solutions, of course, is the sponsor. It was the sponsor this week. But his his best run of the year outside of Talladega, but by far his best run of the year anywhere else but Talladega. Um, you know, other than Talladega, his best run of the year this year was 18th at Homestead, and he goes out and finishes 11th at Darlington. So um, it's been a disastrous year for Stuart Haas in a lot of ways. Harvick's been pretty good um, at times this year. He hasn't been great. Um, he's he's still finishing in the top ten, but he's nowhere near where we've seen him where he you know won multiple races a year and he's and he's competing for a championship. But the other three Stuart Haas cars have been a disaster. Amarola didn't even make it ten laps at Darlington. Uh, Custer got turned around as well and wrecked. So it was a it was a tough day. But uh, for Chase Briscoe, a solid run for him, and maybe this will be a start of things. You know. Briscoe's an interesting guy, and I don't want to take too much from what Phillip's going to say, but uh, his first year in Xfinity, if you remember, he had a year sort of like this where he didn't look great in his, in that 98 car or, or uh, that 98 car at first. You kind of sat there and you said, you know, I'm not sure about this Briscoe kid. And then all of a sudden a light switch came on. He turned a page, and he ran great. And from that point forward, he was really, really good. And, of course, last year had a career year in the Xfinity Series, winning all the races he did. Um, but – Maybe that's a turning point for him. But the other guy I want to get to with this as well, and 11th and 12th, um, is Tyler Reddick. Now, Reddick has gone, I mentioned, after Atlanta, the sixth race of the year. Reddick was 28th in the point standings uh, after Atlanta. And we've run six races since then. Bristol, Martinsville, Richmond, Talladega, Kansas, and Darlington. He's gone from 28th to 16th. He's gained 12 spots in the point standings. Uh, 7th at the Bristol Dirt Race, 8th at Martinsville, 20th at Richmond, 7th, 7th, and 12th at Darlington. But there's starting to be a little bit of a trend, in my opinion, for Tyler Reddick. I'm getting a little concerned about him, and I hope it doesn't uh, affect his season. But it seems like they're really good in the beginning part of these races, and then all of a sudden that last section, they seem to tune the car out a little bit, and they don't finish nearly as good as they've run. Um is that a legit concern in your eyes? I mean, when you think about Reddick's background, he's a dirt background. Dirt races tend to be a lot shorter than asphalt races, so maybe he's a little bit too hard on this equipment early in the races. Not sure if that's if that's something or it's just the fact that there's no there's no rhyme or reason behind it. It's just a coincidence. But that's something I've noticed with that eight car. Uh, I really saw it will run for him on, on Sunday, but you would look at 12th and you go, it should have probably been a little bit better than that maybe a top 10, and, and a good run for Briscoe. So those two guys fill up two young, talented drivers in Briscoe and Reddick having pretty solid days in 11th and 12th at Darlington. Phillip, yeah, um, for, for Briscoe, sorry about that. I, I had myself muted, I think, there. But uh, for Briscoe, my, my bias aside, I mean, to have a good run on a proper racetrack at a track that he won at last year, a year ago, basically, just a year ago at this time when we returned from pandemic after him and his wife uh, had lost a child, and now he goes out and gets probably his best run of his cup, short cup career so far, and now they're expecting. I mean, there's a whole lot of good vibes there, running a tribute to not only A.J. Foyt, but his actual hero, uh, Tony Stewart, who's his owner, uh, that's the kind of run that everyone was expecting out of him this year. And I knew it was going to be a hard year as a fan and also in general, based on what Cole Custer went through. And I've muted my expectations in general 
I didn't expect all three Stuart Haas cars outside of Kevin Harvick to be the absolute absolute trash, but that's what they've been. Um, I mean, it isn't the fault of Al Merola or Cole Custer on Sunday what happened to them, uh, but they've been garbage all year, and they're basically done. I still believe, even after this run, that the uh, – the 14 car would be better off going and swapping with Richard Boswell and uh, put him on the box for Chase Briscoe and send uh, Johnny Klausmeyer back to the 10 and then send Mike Bugaravich over to the 98 or whichever way you want to do it, uh, I think would be the best thing to do at this point because there's really no um, end, end game for Stuart Haas that's going to involve any of those three cars getting to the playoffs unless they win. And even with that, they're going to have to get past like Michael McDowell. And uh, he has a lot of points, even though he's Michael McDowell and Tyler Reddick in regards to him finishing races. I mean, RCR, you have Ty or Austin Dillon uh, up there. He's 12th in points and he has a big gap. So the reality is, they're able to, if you're able to run a full race, they're able to go and make something happen. Problem is Tyler Reddick hasn't been able to figure out how to finish races in Cup. He was able to figure it out in Xfinity because they were short enough. And I, one of these days he's going to figure it out in a Cup car. Um, you know, it, it, he has to, basically, if he ever wants to, to go and uh, – make it into the playoffs and be a contender um as it stands he's on the bump right now in 16th and none of the guys that have won are behind him so you know d benedetto is up there he's tied with him and then you have O richard who runs over somebody every week and then newman bush i mean chris bush is actually 13th i didn't know that so I mean, the fact of the matter is, and there are a lot of drivers. I mean, you consider Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott haven't even won a race yet this year. Denny Hamlin hasn't won a, a race this year. So that's going to change some things a little bit. Um, after that, it's it it's going to be difficult. Michael McDowell's that that guy right there because he got gifted that win in February um, it's going to make things a little more difficult for all these guys behind him to try to go and make this playoff uh, in general. But um, Reddick's going to eventually figure it out. He's the kind of guy, he has the ability. Uh, he's in his second year. I think it's going to come along here. Um, he's got the talent. He's better than Austin Dillon. Uh, and and if they aren't going to give them the equipment, I think there's somebody else that might give them the equipment too. Yeah, there's no question. I think Reddick's going to figure it all out. And by the way, his paint scheme was tremendous this weekend. Both the RCR cars were great. Um, but yeah, uh, those two guys, Briscoe really needed a good run again, just for confidence and just for momentum over there. I, I think that was a solid run. A couple of guys I want to talk to, and this is I talk about. I should say. Um, and this is sort of on the negative side of things, was Ross Chastain. I, I loved the way that 42 car ran on on Sunday. I thought they did a, a great job speed-wise. I hated the pit strategy. 
I don't get it, when, especially when tires are falling off that badly. I'm not really sure what Phil Surgeon was doing there. Over there on that 42 car, even when the time was happening, I'm going, this isn't a normal racetrack where you can go out there and, you know, hang on and, and your lap times are going to be, you know, competitive with older tires compared to everybody else. And and then that cost him. He lost a lap, lost a lucky dog on that long run that he stayed out, and it really did uh, Ross Chastain in. Now, I know they were trying to maybe steal something and hope somebody would wreck and, and you know, get a top 10, top 5 run out of it. But to me, they had enough speed to get a top 10 run. Um, and I know that's not going to make the playoffs for them, but to me, they got to start building on momentum, getting themselves feeling pretty good about it. And they had a, they ended up okay. 15th isn't terrible. But I hated that pitch strategy by Phil Sturgeon. I just I don't like it at Darlington. Anywhere else where the tire doesn't wear as much, uh, I'm okay. That's fine to me. You know, you want to try something. But Darlington, where you're two, a second and a half slower a lap, two seconds slower a lap uh, on old tires, it doesn't make a lot of sense. The other thing I want to talk about, Philip, is Brad Kozlowski. Um, just not a very good run. Uh, 24th place he ended up finishing. Um, you're, you know, a fan of that driver and that team. Um, what were your thoughts on, on the two-car and on the 42 strategy there uh, before we talk about the points? What are your thoughts on those two? Yeah, I mean, the 42 strategy, I mean, you have to give Phil Surgeon uh, a, a little bit of, you know, credit in a sense for being willing to try something that extreme at at Darlington. Um, I mean, it didn't work, but the fact of the matter is for where they are in points, you need to go and basically swing for the fences to give yourself a chance to have anything. Um, I mean, the fact of the matter is they had a good car, and that's a shame, like you talk about. It, you basically wasted a good run or you had a good car, one of the better cars they've had all year, and threw it away because you're trying to go for the Hail Mary um, Tim Tebow shot, but whatever. Uh, Brad Keselowski didn't have his crew chief because of COVID and whatever it is, and they had a car, I think, for about five laps, and then – they were just absolute garbage after that, and they were garbage the whole entire day. And uh, this crew chief isn't going to be there this week either. So, um, I mean, granted, Darlington isn't one of his better racetracks. He has won there once, but even in that case, that was because Kyle Larson's pit crew um, screwed up. So the fact is, he's Dover is a little better racetrack for him, but it's going to be difficult for him to perform uh, without his crew chief. Uh, it's it's not a good thing, but, you know, the, it's part of what makes this playoff format the way it is, where you could go and lose your crew chief for a couple of races, like Joey Logano's going to lose Paul Wolf this weekend because of the lug nuts and, you know, you can give away a week because you've won. So it doesn't make it good playoff race going and running that bad, but they know that they missed. So at least they can say, well, that's not going to work in September when they come back for the Southern 500. That's about all you can take away from what uh, Brad did on Sunday. Do you think that was an R&D race for them since they're they're pretty much locked into the playoffs by – their win at Talladega, 
Um, you know, I don't think we're going to see more than 16 winners this year. It's, it hasn't really never happened in this format. Uh, and like I said, Brad won a Talladega, and maybe they're trying something a little, like you said, a Hail Mary. Uh, you're talking about that with Chastain, but do you think maybe that two-car was trying to do something to, knowing they would be coming back here uh, during the playoffs and trying something that was a little bit different, or do you think they just missed the setup plain and simple? What are your thoughts? Me, personally, they whiffed, um, and that has happened before all the greats have done it. Um, but I don't know. Maybe they were. They'll, they'll, they'll probably go and tell, for PR purposes, they'll say that they were trying stuff. But to be that far off, uh, to be getting passed by the likes of Quinn Hoff, uh, who's literally the worst, one of the worst race car drivers I've ever seen, uh, you know, like to get passed by those kind of cars uh, on the regular, you you either have something broken or you have something missing or you completely didn't. You're, you're like you're working with a V6 engine while everybody had a V8. Like that, there's it was not a good race car, uh, and that's not something you expect from the Penske two car in general. So. I mean, the PR people will say they were trying stuff, but trying stuff and being completely out to lunch are two different, two totally different things. Agreed. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. That's the number to call here. Let's look at the points after the Goodyear four hundred at Darlington Raceway. Uh, you know, you mentioned Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin's pretty pretty. You know, he's, he's pretty much locked in points-wise. He's got a 75-point cushion on Martin Trex Jr. right now for second. William Byron currently third in the standings. Then it's Joe Logano, Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, uh, Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott, and Brad Keselowski, the top nine with Kyle Busch in tenth. Uh, and then there's a gap. There's about a 53-point gap. That's about a race gap to 11th. And Christopher Bell, he's got a win. And then there's uh, Austin Dillon in 12th. I think the top 12 right now, no matter if they got wins or not, are pretty solidly in. There's a 29-point gap to 13th in Chris Buescher, and that's where it gets a little hairy. Now, keep in mind, Alex Bowman in 14th and Michael McDowell in 15th have victories, so they're locked into the playoffs if, if we don't get more than 16 winners. Um, so Buescher is would be the first guy really in a little bit of, of trouble. Now, Buescher's got a about a 19-point uh, gap over uh, – over Tyler Reddick, who would who's currently 16th in the standings, and then you've got Matthew Benedetto in 17th. Him and Reddick are tied. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in 18th, Ryan Newman in 19th, and then Kurt Busch in 20th. Then you got Bubba Wallace 21st, and Ross Chastain 22nd, and then Daniel Suarez 23rd. Ryan Priest still has a chance that they pick it up, but they've been really really scuffling lately. Uh, he's 24th in the points, and I don't think anybody else behind that is going to have any ch- chance whatsoever to make it in on their points. You've got Briscoe, Custer, Eric Jones, Amarola uh, back there. Um, but, you know, there's a couple of guys in there that are very interesting. Uh, Chris Bush, you mentioned earlier, they've really picked it up at Roush. He's got two points to the good right now. Then Tyler Reddick um, and Matthew Benedetto are tied. Stenhouse in there, they've kind of cooled off recently. Newman's play, run pretty good here lately. And Kurt Busch, is, it's been a disaster. As, as good as Reddick has been, it's been a disaster for Kurt Busch recently. I saw on Twitter last week or two weeks ago, I might have mentioned this on last week's show, I saw a Kurt Busch fan begging 
Chip Ganassi Racing to fire his crew chief, uh, Matt McCall. And listen, I'm a big Matt McCall fan. I think he's a good engineer, but uh, that's not entirely out of the out of the question right now with how they've been performing. And then Bubba Wallace, who's 21st in the standing, still hanging in there. We just haven't seen that 23 car other than the super speedways really compete for stages, and they got to start doing that if they want to make these playoffs. It's getting a little late in the season now to still be having growing pains, uh, so we got to see a little bit of an uptick in that 23 car if they want to make the playoffs. But um, I guess of those guys, really, Busher, Reddick, DiBenedetto, Stenhouse, Newman, and Bush, Kurt Busch, that is, uh, who are you most concerned about, Philip? and then who do you feel most confident about uh, of those drivers? What are your thoughts? For the guys that that are in that spot right there. I mean, you can take out all the ones that have won and there's some that haven't won that are going to get a win here. Uh, I mean, the most, in terms of who am I concerned about, I'd I'd be concerned about the Ganassi team. You know, when you consider that Hendrick has drivers that are third, sixth, eighth, and 14th in points, three of them have wins the one that doesn't is the defending series champion, and he has a 12.8 average, 12.8 average finish. Uh, while in Kurt Busch's case, he's got a 20.2, and then Ross Chastain has a 19.3 average. Uh, that's that's a problem. Uh, Kurt Busch likely in his final season of his Cup career, uh, two, and Matt McCall, who has not really shown much as a crew chief, they've the wins. I mean, Kurt Busch has kind of remade his uh, persona here at Ganassi and made himself into a more likable person. But he's basically backed into his last two or three wins of his career, even going back to when he was at Stewart Haas when he won Bristol. Uh, I think the last. I mean, you could make an argument that he backed into the 500 when he won the 517. I don't even know the last race that Kurt Busch won on merit. So it's going to be a problem for Kurt Busch and Ganassi to go and make it uh, in in this uh, playoff for sure. I, I I really don't – I don't know about you, Clayton. I don't have confidence in anybody per se out of that list. I mean, I think if you had to put, like you said, oh, I have to pick – I'll just pick Busher because I know the guy knows how to run for points. He's kind of has the same feel as what Newman did a few years ago where he was just getting top 15s and top uh, he'd sneak a top 10 or you know like he'd he'd sneak himself into a position where he could point his way in. Uh Busher is that kind of guy uh who can uh possibly get himself in that spot and Make a make the playoffs, albeit he'll be a first round exit. But he could go and make the playoffs that way if you put something to me where I had to go and do that. Yeah, I totally agree on both of those. Uh, Kurt, listen, I discussed this uh, at last week's show. After Phoenix, he was tenth in the standings, twenty uh, second in the five hundred, fourth in the road course, eighth at Homestead, 19th at Vegas and 15th at Phoenix. Okay, you can live with those last two runs. Through five races in a year, he was 10th in points. Through 12 races this year, he's 20th in points. He's dropped 10 10 positions 
in the last seven races. 39th Atlanta, 16th Bristol, 21st Martinsville, 13th Richmond, uh, 35th Talladega, and that's you know a crapshoot. So we'll we'll let that one pass. 15th at Kansas and 12th at Darling or 35th at Darlington. Excuse me. Uh, it's just not going to get it done, and he's not getting any stage points. Even Busher, who you mentioned earlier, you know they're not getting a ton of stage points either, but they're getting one or two a race, which helps and it adds up. Um, that's why I think I would be pretty confident in him. Uh, you talked about it. He is a points. He's a points racer. He does a very good job outside of of Richmond and, and Talladega was again. There's sort of a crapshoot. He was in the top for the record. He was in the top 15 at Talladega uh, until coming off a of turn four and he got pushed out of the way uh, and ended up 21st. But outside of that, outside of those two races, outside of Talladega, he has finished in the top 20 every single race this year except for the Daytona 500 and Richmond. So he's done a pretty good job. And, and recently, uh, since Atlanta, he's only finished outside of top 20 uh, twice. And again, that was Richmond and Talladega. So uh, outside of top 15 twice since Atlanta. So they've really – that 17 team has really picked it up here of late. It seems like Roush is good now. Busher has won – he won his first Xfinity Series race on a road course, so, you know, he doesn't have a, a, a ton of road course success, but he's still pretty solid on road courses. But he's going to need to really pick it up if he wants to um, get in on his points. But they've done a really good job through 12 races this year. I think if we told you that Busher would be 19 points to the good – uh, coming out of Darlington, 12 races into the year, I think they, you know, Rash would have signed off on that for sure. So, uh, you know, they got Dover, which historically used to be a, a great Roush Fenway racetrack. Uh, it is not lo- no longer. I don't really think they have a Roush Fenway racetrack anymore, unfortunately. But a, a very, very good job for them. Uh, and that is one of the guys. The only other guy I would say that I'd be real confident in is Reddick. Um, you know, and I say that because I just think the best is yet to come for that eight car. So. Uh, we'll see what we get from there. But you brought up a good point about Kurt Busch, that it's that's a Ganassi team. It's got Ganassi, or excuse me, that's a Hendrick team. It's got Hendrick engines, uh, and it shares a lot of information with Hendrick, and they're really struggling. So that's not good considering that the parent team, the team that really makes everything go there, is having a good year, and you're struggling. So uh, Kurt's going to really have to pick it up here in the next couple of weeks if he wants to have any uh, sniff of the playoffs and what you said is probably his final season. NASCAR Xfinity Series race. Steakhouse Elite 200 from Darlington Raceway. Uh, it was Josh, uh, Justin Allgaier standing in victory lane. He beat his teammate Josh Berry. Brandon Jones third, Daniel Hemrick fourth, and Jeremy Clements fifth. Side note, uh, Noah Gregson, who was originally um, credited with a, I believe, a third-place finish, he is was disqualified uh, and, and goes back to the uh, 40th position. They take all his points away as well. Now, Junior Motorsports, you probably can't blame them, is going to appeal that penalty because they probably have to because it's getting to an interesting point in the season where they need the, all the points they can get on that nine car. Um, but what were your thoughts on the Xfinity Series race, Philip Allgaier standing in your lane? Justin's an interesting guy. Um, you know, right when you start, it just seems like right when you start to say, well, maybe Allgaier is, you know, maybe he's lost a little intensity here in his back half of his career. Maybe they're seven car isn't really as good as we expect it to be. Maybe, maybe, maybe all of a sudden, Allgaier pulls off a win and he's right back in the thick of things. And, uh, you know, he's done a really good job at Junior Motorsports. This seems like a really happy marriage between the two parties. And another solid win for Justin Allgaier. What were your thoughts on Saturday's Xfinity race? Yeah, it's 
a it's a credit to him and a nice throwback to the great man uh uh Dale Senior and the whole bit. It was a junior motorsports. It started out as a Joe Gibbs racing benefit and it ended up as a junior motorsports benefit by the end of the deal. Uh you know, all guyer going out there and getting another win solidifying himself. I mean, albeit it didn't really matter what the heck he did. This, this is not that competitive of a series right now. I mean, outside of Cindric uh, and to an extent Hemrick, because he knows how to make points. He doesn't know how to win races, but he knows how to make points. I mean, all is up there. He's probably going to be a favorite to make the final four winning this race really didn't change much of that. I mean, he needs to finish races, uh, but when he finishes, it seems like he's able to win. And uh, there are only nine races into a 33-race season. So uh, Dover's coming up, one of his better racetracks. He knows how to run the concrete. So he won there, I think, last year. So there, it's it's working out where he could go out on a little run here. Uh, you know, Josh Berry, you got to give him credit. Uh, he probably belongs in a full-time ride, but he doesn't have the money. And again, a second-place finish there um, to go and make something out of that deal. I mean, you, you and then you have the Toyotas there. Uh, with Jones and Hemrick in third and fourth. Jeremy Clements getting that fifth-place finish was huge for him and his battle to try to make the the top 12. Right now he's ninth in points. He's got a 20-point gap on Brendan Brendan Jones, uh, Gregson uh, going and gagging it uh, with the penalty. Uh, loses points, so now he's in 11th, and Nets in 12th. So you have two. While we talked about how great Junior Motorsports has been in the sense that, you know, Josh Berry has won a race, all guys won two, they have not been very good in consistency uh, when you consider Gregson and Annette are 11th and 12th. And Brandon Brown, frankly, is only eight points behind Michael Annette and Riley Herbst, who's, you know, Riley Herbst, is actually not that far away from Michael in that right now. He's only 26 points behind. So it's a good uh, him performing in a race in stages and actually getting some points that way and putting himself right back into the mix. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's a good run by... Uh, Allgaier, he didn't have it in the stage of stages, but he showed up when it counted. Sindrick and Hemrick were, along with Gregson, were probably the three best cars. But um, in the end, uh, Justin Allgaier finished the job when it mattered most, and that's that's when they go and pay the money. So credit to him, credit to Junior Motorsports with their performance there on Saturday. For sure, and there's some guys in that top 10 and top 15 that really had some solid runs. I'm looking at Jeremy Clements in fifth, uh, uh, Brett Moffitt, who's recently declared for Xfinity Series points 
in 17 needed that. Ryan Seeger needed a good run. He hasn't had the year that everybody kind of expected from him. So he finished eighth. Alex LeBay, great run in ninth. Uh, Landon Castle in 11th. Tommy Joe Martins got up there, finished fourth in the first stage. Uh, he finished 14th. So some nice solid runs there for some guys who really needed it. But the guy I really am impressed with so far this year has been Jeremy Clements. We talked to Mark Setzer earlier on in our show, Philip, earlier on in the year. And, uh, you know, talked about what he thinks about Clements, and I agree with him. But right now, you look at that uh, 51 car and where they are in the points, they're ninth in the standings. And, you know, 40 points right now above of Michael Lynette from the cutoff right now. Um, a couple of road courses coming up, a lot of road courses coming up for that team. But Clements has won a road course in his, in his career. Um, and you mentioned there are only nine races in, so we still got a long way to go until the playoffs are concerned. Um, but right now, Clements is in really good shape. Uh, how confident are you in that 51 car? You have the 98. You mentioned that's that's a cup-affiliated team, although that driver's you know very very spotty at times. Uh, you got Brandon Brown back there as well, who's gaining ground on on some of the guys. Um, Ryan Sieg can can pull some. If he can pull some solid runs here, he can get him back, get himself back in the mix. But how confident are you in that 51 card to make the playoffs? Because right now they're in really good shape. I I would be a lot more confident than what I was talking about in regards to the cup side. I don't know about you, but Clayton, but the fact of the matter is Clemens with Mark Setzer, that's a great combination. We were talking, you are talking about, how Rudy Fugel has basically become the, uh, the you know, like the Zen master for William Byron. Mark Setzer and and uh, and uh, Jeremy Clemens have worked together amazing. And they're able, I mean, that 12.6 average, granted this field isn't as tough as it was a year ago or even a couple of years ago, but... Jeremy Clements is running about as good as he has in his entire Xfinity career. He's only 10 points back of Myatt Snyder, which is an RCR car, and he's 12 points back of a guy who's got two wins this year. So it proves that he is up there. He's giving himself a chance. He's getting the most out of every race, and that's what counts. He's basically up there in the mileage category, which means he's been finishing. You know, he's up there with Sindrick and Hemrick and Jeb Burton, who are the three guys that have run the most miles so far. And that's a credit to that organization, making good cars, making uh, cars that can last. And the reality is usually there are multiple guys that make it in on points. Clements is in a great spot right now. It would, I think, yeah, Ryan Sieg is there. Um, even Tommy Joe Martins or Herbst or Brown, but there, there, they really aren't. He he has a cushion because you have three, you have three guys that are dead weight that are probably uh, because of the points they're not going to be able to pass him. So he's got a buffer that way. And I think he can make up some ground with the road courses that are coming up and put himself in a position to solidify himself into these playoffs. I agree with you there. Moving on to the Truck Series event, uh, liftkitforless.com. 
200 from Darlington Raceway. Sheldon Creed was your winner. Ben Rhodes second. Carson Hoshaver third. Uh, Matt Crafton fourth. Uh, it was Johnny Sauter, Timmy Hill, John Hunter Nemechek, also himself. Jordan Anderson rounded up the top ten. Uh, a race that featured a boatload of cautions. Uh, Twelve cautions for 66 laps. Remember, this is only a 147-lap race. So uh, we probably ran about half the event, right around half the event under a caution. So uh, it was a, a caution-filled event, um, but ended up with Sheldon Creed in victory lane. A um, couple of things I want to touch on for that truck race. First of all, I think the run of the day and the run of the night really belongs to Carson Hoshevar. Uh, I don't mean to – Hoshevar, excuse me. Uh, I don't think – to be honest, I haven't really felt highly of that kid. I haven't think he had a great year this year. But when you go look at the points – um, he's not in bad shape at all. He's only, uh, right now, off the cutoff, he's only five points back from Johnny Sauter. So he's going to have a terrible year by any stretch of imagination. But that third-place run and what he did at Darlington, getting all those stage points he did, really, really helped him. Um, you know, what were your thoughts on the truck series race from Darlington? Uh, there was a crash fest. There was no question about it. But what were your thoughts on the truck race from Darlington, Philip? Yeah, it was a cluster, uh, for sure. I uh, only... Uh, saw the replay version of it, but I just heard about it and read about it on social on the socials. And I'll tell you, uh, it didn't make the truck series look all that great for uh, for sure. And for Kyle Busch, I'm sure he wasn't very happy with uh, one of those particular restarts. So, uh, you know, John Hunter getting more stage points and leading the most laps. I mean, we're we're basically parking what's going to end up happening here in a few months' time. I figure John Hunter is going to finish the job, but he needs to clean some things up on his end. I mean, Ben Rhodes has a 6.1 average, so he's having a career year and five point, you know, so that, that he's going to have to fade that. Um, Creed finally getting that first win of the year and fighting with Marcus Simonis which was interesting. Uh, you know, Creed is a guy that if somebody did want to sponsor him properly and give him the money he deserves, he's got the Robbie Gordon flair, and he's got the Robbie Gordon kind of talent too. Uh, he proved it last year, won a championship. He's going to be in this playoff. I think at the end of the day, going and pulling out this victory on Friday night, basically inserted him into the conversation with Nemechek and Rhodes as that third driver that's probably going to be there come Phoenix. Um, Austin Hill hasn't had a great year, but he's been somewhat consistent. And it's a shame Grant Enfinger hasn't run the whole entire year because he'd probably be in play uh, because he's, he's really good. It's kind of criminally as in, so that means Carson Osevar is in the playoffs right now. He's got a 17-point gap over Self and uh, Chandler Smith. He's got a 19-point gap on him. So Chandler Smith's running a full-time schedule for Kyle Busch. So the, that's not great. And so uh, that's, you know, for for Creed, Getting that win, Rhodes, consistency, Hosevar, now he has Phil Gould as his crew chief. That's a big move. 
you know, he, him and Ross Chastain could do work, no problem. And now they've done a bunch of moves over at Nice. They're going to retract teams to try to go and focus their energies on the 42 truck and whatever, you know, Ryan Truex is doing, which really doesn't matter. Uh, you know, credit to Timmy Hill running his own uh, team, running a Kenny Irwin Jr. tribute and uh, getting a seventh-place finish on uh, Friday night after all the nonsense that went on. Uh, but, yeah, hey, Creed's there, and he's going to be there. Next race is going to be Coda, and he is definitely the favorite um, of the regulars that will be there at Coda to go and win that because he's great on road courses. He's great in general uh, based on his ability. Uh, but he'll be a favorite come uh, Coda time to try to go and get that triple truck challenge money. Uh, but Ben Rhodes and John Hunter are not going away either. No, and there's some drivers, when you look at the uh, the playoffs, and you brought a good point about Hosh uh, Shavar. I, I forgot that um, N Fingers run seven races this year, which is, like you said, criminal. Um Especially, and I love Ty Jessica, don't get me wrong, but Endfinger's got to be furious that Thor Sports going to do another truck for uh, for Majeski here in a couple of weeks at Charlotte and Nashville, and he's you know not running full-time. He's got to be furious that they couldn't make that happen for him. But anyway, uh, getting a little off track, there's some drivers who are below the cutoff as far as playoffs are concerned um, in big trouble if they don't pick it up soon. And I'm looking at Derek Krause, who's 19th in points, only got 113 points accumulated this year. Tanner Gray, who's 18th in points. Uh, Timothy Peters, who's 20th in points. Um, Chase Purdy, who's a GMS truck, 23rd in the standings. So there's some drivers who, uh, even Tyler Ankrum, who hasn't won a race this year, he's 16th in stand in the standings, uh, and he's, you know, 60-something points off of Hoshevar right now. They got to pick it up quickly if they want to have a chance at it. Um, even Haley Deegan, well, I don't know how many people expected them to her to make the playoffs in her first year. Although if you listen to uh, the broadcasters, you'd think she, you know she's she's winning every race. But anyway, um, those drivers really need to pick it up and get themselves some solid runs here if they if they want to make these playoffs. So that's just something to keep in mind for the truck race. Truck Series, you mentioned Coda is their next event, so they don't run this weekend at Dover. Uh, they run two weeks in Coda, so that's going to be interesting to see what goes on with those trucks there. Philip, I want to get to, to this point here before we move to our favorite Dover memories and then, of course, fantasy recap and our picks before we close out the night. Um, Gen 7. Uh, we could talk all day about the Gen 7. It's an, a, a very interesting topic to discuss. We brought David Reagan on during the offseason to kind of discuss the Gen 7 car. I have my thoughts on it. I think there's some pros. I think there's some cons. Um, what's your general take on this Gen 7 car? It was, it was, they were released this past week. We saw what they all look like. Um, it seemed like they got positive reviews as far as looks are concerned. Um, but what's your thoughts on this Gen 7? Do you like the way they look? How do you think they're going to race? And give me some pros and cons uh, quick on what you think about this Gen 7 car. Pros are they look like more like what the real cars look like. They they look more stock. 
definitely not stock. A lot of uh, parts that are, it's going to become more spec, uh, which I think is a con. Uh, we don't know how they're going to race. I wish they had a valence instead of a splitter. Um, I wish they were off the ground instead of being sealed off. Uh, probably going to end up having 500 horsepower or thereabouts instead of 900 um, so that they could try to somehow or another get another manufacturer. Uh, grand scheme of things, we don't know. I I I, I, lo I love the Mustang. Camaro looked good. There's no such thing as a two-door Camry, but Toyota insists on having it. Um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what the tests bring us here um, as the rest of the season goes along. And I guess we'll really find out next February at Daytona during the 500 uh, with the, this car, which is basically what amounts to like a GT3, GT4 car that runs here in America or runs like a supercar in Australia. It's similar to what those cars are. And uh, we'll, if, and then you're just putting it on an oval with bad gear tires. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of changes. And, and one thing you've seen in this week about it is that everybody's saying it's a game changer, it's a game changer, it's a game changer. Uh, a couple of things, uh, thoughts on my end on this Gen 7 car. And again, we will certainly probably over the off season um, discuss that at length as far as what we think about the Gen 7 because it's going to really be a hot topic here. Um, but you talk about the spec parts. I'm just worried that the team aspect of this car is going to be taken away. And what I mean by that is, you know, they're not building these cars in-house anymore. They're really putting them together and getting the parts. Um, so that's a, that's a con for me. You know, I, when somebody says, and a driver and a team or whoever says, you know, we, we, we have a good race car tonight. You know, our cars haven't been great lately. That's no longer going to be the case because all the cars are going to be the same. So, you know, the car's not really going to matter, which some people are going to say, great, because the driver's going to matter more. But NASCAR's always been a team aspect, in my opinion, always, or a team sport, in my opinion, and that aspect is going away. That's a, that's a con. A pro to me is that it seems like they're going to save some money here in the long run, maybe get some owners here. I think we might see some drivers really um, put put their foot down and, and really get try and get into the ownership role like we've seen there with Denny Hamlin. I think Kozlowski is exploring that a little bit, which maybe we'll get to in a couple of weeks, Philip, because it's, it seems like not everything's um, set in stone for him returning to Penske in 2022, so maybe we can discuss that a little bit later in a couple of weeks here as we get closer and closer to talking about silly season. But anyway, um, so that's kind of a good thing that we're going to have owners who are making more money and uh, maybe the field's going to be a little bit more even, you know, maybe uh, front row motorsports, if they got the right driver and the right, make the right decisions on a right, on Sunday, will be able to compete a lot better than what they currently do. Uh, or Corolla Joy and, you know, uh, Spire or Trackhouse with, with, with Suarez, maybe they'll be able to, compete a little bit more than what they do now. But, again, I think NASCAR is a team sport, and it seems like they're sort of taking that away. Um, but, you know, that's – with every decision, there's always good things and bad things. Um, but everybody's things can be a game changer. And I just want to say this about the Gen, car, Gen 7 car before we move on. To me, 
what we think of this car, it's not going to matter until we see it race. It's got to race good. It can't race like we've seen, and I hate the 550 package. I'm going to hate 650, 6 whatever, 660, whatever you want to call it, package. I'm sure I'm going to, especially in the mile and a half. Um, they're saying, you know, well, we're, you know, the way the car races, with the way the air gets pushed through, it's going to be different. I hope so. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping this car is good uh, because I, I'm just – there's so many things that I love about NASCAR that I've loved for my whole life that I'm not sure it's going to be able to stay in this car. So I'm hoping that it races good to where I can live with the negatives because the positives outweigh it. That's what I'm hoping with this new car. So that's my thought. That's our thoughts on a Gen 7. Just kind of wanted to get a good, quick uh, idea and, and give our thoughts on that. Again, we'll probably dive into that a little bit later into the year uh, as we get closer and closer to 2022 when the car debuts. Philip Dover this weekend, um, a racetrack that is close to our to to my house, close to your house. It's a home, what we consider sort of one of our two hometown racetracks in Delaware, yeah. considering we both are from New Jersey. Uh, I if I had to do a quick count my house in my head i've probably been there 14 15 times for a race i don't know how many times you've been there i'm sure it's probably close to the same um but what's your favorite dover memory if you have it i mean dover is a a track that is a unique racetrack it's a mile a lot of people really don't care for it because um it's you know there's not nothing really anything unique about it the races can get strung out there i personally love it because i think it's a great racetrack the drivers love it um and you know, I had to tie that it's so close to the house, and I have so many good memories there. Um, yeah. What's your favorite Dover memory? Do you have one that stands out, or a couple that stand out since uh, it's so close to our place and, and we've been there a lot? Yeah, for me, it's uh, 2000 uh, June when uh, Smoke won there, and I was able to be there and watch it happen. He won 49 times in his cup career. That was the only time that I was able, as a Tony Stewart diehard, to go and watch him win, and that was in his early days of his uh, legendary Hall of Fame cup career. Uh, That was definitely one of the highlights of my time watching races at uh, Dover. Uh, they're, They're probably, I mean having the experiences that I've had there and uh, being able to do the kind of, you know, have the go to the Wawa where all the pit crew members go and just right down the road from the track going and going and doing the die cast runs that I was able to do there. Uh, it's a great place. And uh, there will be a lot of people that have fun there this weekend uh, the, uh, for the two races that they'll have or three races they'll have there. But, um, yeah, for me, it's Smoke uh, being there when he won in 2000. He had a chance in 99 when he was a rookie, and uh, Bobby Labonte ended up getting him in that race in June. And, uh, you know, so for me, that's it, that's the one for me. I mean, there are probably other memories that could come back. There's other races uh, for me, but really that could stand out to a point, but really that's the one that's the biggest one. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, there's so many. And a uh, quick story and quick, you know, uh, personal stories about me from about 2003, 2004 to about 
2010, 2011, I took a bus trip with a bunch of people from our town and, and uh, neighboring towns to Dover, and it was incredible. I mean, we'd, we'd pay a certain amount of money. We'd get the trip down there. We'd eat, uh, all paid for, and then we'd go in and watch the race, and it was, it was really, really a blast. So I, I have a lot of memories there. I miss that. You know, the fact that you can just get on a bus and not even think about, you know, uh, having to drive the time, the time down there. It was incredible. Uh, so I have a lot of races that I can remember. One, the, I think it was the same year. I'm going to bring up two from the same year. One was that might have been 07 or 08 when there was a big crash in the back stretch. Um, and, uh, you know, it was Dale Earnhardt Jr., Denny Hamlin was in it. A huge crash in the back, back stretch. It took a lot of people out. There was uh, 05, I think it was, where Dave Blaney and Michael Waltrip got together, I believe, and caused a huge wreck coming into turn three. That was right in front of me. I was also at the race where Logano flipped. Uh, that was that was wild. Maybe that was right in front of me as well. But the race that really stands out to me is uh, oh, 2008. And I think the race name, it was a 2008 Camping World RV 400 presented by AAA. And that was a playoff race in which Greg Biffle beat Matt Kenseth. And I was telling Philip before the show about it. And to me, it's one of the most underrated races in NASCAR history. It was a an epic battle. I mean, I don't know what it looked like from TV, so I forgive me, but you know, it, I was there in turn three and four, and my brother and I were watching it together, and we were holding each other, going, "Oh my god!" You know, because you had teammates who from this were from the same organization, who are both in the playoffs, you know, leaning on each other, beating on each other, and ran each other about as professionally as you can, go, you can get, and, and two really really talented race car drivers, and Matt Kenseth and Greg Biffle uh, at a racetrack that is a driver's racetrack. It was incredible to watch. And um, Biffle wound up going to victory lane, and then he won New, uh, New Hampshire the following week, and he had a really good start to the year. But uh, that those, la- those 20, 25 laps that they were battling, that Kenseth and, and Biffle were battling, were incredible. And um, if, if you'd never seen that race, I would highly recommend it because it is one that's uh, just being in the grandstands. It was certainly incredible. So, that's my one of my favorite Dover memories. And again, the bus trips to me were were just something that uh, you know, with the times and and how things have changed, and um, you know, the ticket prices going up and, and stuff like that. I don't think we will get ever get to that point again, unfortunately. But there's just so many good memories um, from Dover that uh, that I'm gonna miss, you know, at my age now. But uh, certainly glad we have those. Okay. Um, Fantasy picks before before we close out tonight's show. Um, kind of going to do a review from Darlington. So Darlington Phillip had Kyle Larson as, you win, as the winner and Kurt Busch as his dark horse. Kurt Busch gets zero points for his disastrous day at Darlington, but four points for Kyle Larson. He had a top uh, finished second, so good job by him. Um, Denny Hamlin was my pick. He finished in the top five and gets four points as well. I had my dark horse as Tyler Reddick's, and uh, Reddick finished in 12th, so that's two points for Reddick uh, times two, which he gets doubled because he was the dark horse pick, so that's eight um, for me. And then Spencer had Harvick, who finished in sixth. He gets three for that. And then Eric Jones, who finished 18th, and he gets one for that times two, which is two, so uh, five points for uh, Spencer. So Clayton got eight this week. Spencer got five. Phillip got four. So the standings heading into Dover this week, Spencer's got 80 points. Uh, Clayton's got 69. The gap is closing. It was a while back. I was way back, but 
I am now 11 points back of Spencer, so it's getting tight there. And Philip uh, still holding it, still you know not terrible. No hole in the back, just yeah, I'm dead. Not not terrible. You didn't do bad this week. Four points for Larson is very very good. 41 points um, for the year. The year. So uh, we go to Dover. You're going to pick first. Then it's going to be me. We'll get Spencer's picks. Spencer couldn't make it tonight. Um, we'll get his picks when he goes off here. Uh, but, Philip, your picks to win Dover and the Dark Horse pick. Yeah, so Martin Truex is my pick. for. Uh, it's one of his 18 home tracks, and uh, he's on a heater in a 750 race. Uh, so I'll uh, pick Martin Truex as my favorite and as my dark horse it has to be outside of the top 16 in points and i mean it would be tough it's kind of crazy i I could you know what at this point it might as well It, it would really be pulling it out of my butt but um i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with cole custer uh, because he has a 10.5 average in his two starts that he's been there. And, uh, you know, he's garbage. He needs something to happen the, after what's going on this year. You know, who cares? I'm 40 points behind. Why don't I just go and take a real home run shot with it? Yeah, and listen, uh, I don't think that's a terrible pick. Custer's, like you said, he's been very, very good there. He's a very talented race car driver. And maybe a track that at Dover that a more mechanical grip type of racetrack than uh, the arrow problems they've been having um, at Stuart Haas this year. So maybe they they figure it out. I mean, we didn't really get a chance to see what he he could do at Darlington. He got wrecked early. Same thing with Eric Amarola. Um, so we didn't really get a chance to see exactly what um, what they had in store. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what they can do. Um, my pick this week, guys, to win is going to be, let me put it, uh, uh, I, I feel like I pick him every week, so I kind of want to stick stay away from him, uh, Denny Hamlin. I feel like I pick Denny Hamlin every week. I mean, it's a good pick, but I just feel like I pick him every week. Um, I'm going to go with Joey Logano. Um, no reason behind it, just because uh, just I have a feeling. And my dark horse pick this week is going to be um, – and it's it's gonna be interesting because there's like like there's nobody that really stands out to me. Uh, you picked his teammate, and I'm gonna go with him. Uh, he had a pretty good run a couple of weeks ago when we ran at I believe it was Richmond. That's one of his better racetracks. Uh, so I'm gonna go with Eric Amarola. I think he'll he'll get a solid solid run uh, this weekend at Dover as well. So um, as I review the picks here quick. Uh, Martin Chuck Jr. is going to be the winner for Philip. Paul Custer is the dark horse. Clayton Caldwell's got Joey Logano, and the dark horse is Eric Amarola. Spencer will, will pick. Maybe we'll dock him a point because of their, we'll consider it late picks for him, uh, and he'll have to pick his winner. And we'll let everybody know next week, of course, uh, when he's back on here, um, as far as uh, everything that goes on. But quick announcement. I, I just wanted to make sure everybody's aware of this. Um, we have a show this show is going to be moving back to Tuesday nights. Uh, to be honest, it just fits into my schedule better. Sundays are a little bit hectic. We watch the race, and then, you know, of course, it gets a little bit hectic. And other programming notes, just for everybody listening, fans of the show that are listening, um, you know, I'm the host of the show. I also produce this show. And, uh, you know, it's 
it's Tuesday nights unless something happens. And my wife is uh, about eight and a half to nine months pregnant. We're getting very, very close to having our first child. So uh, that can happen at any moment. So if it happens on a Tuesday night and the show doesn't come come on a Tuesday night, that's probably why because uh, you know, we're, in a, we're in an emergency room. So um, I just want to kind of put everybody down on the radar if that's why we're not doing a show. Uh, if there's no show Tuesdays or one of the t- these Tuesdays coming up, uh, that is probably why. So uh, I want to thank everybody for listening and talking in circles tonight. Philip, great job as always. Hope you had a lot of fun tonight, and we'll see you next time. Good night.